We are in the middle of a sermon series called Together, and it is a marriage and relationship series, and I promise you there is something for everybody in this series, especially today, because whether you're married, uh, divorced, single, young person that's not even nowhere near the age of getting married, you're going to be able to take some of these truths and apply it to your life either now or somewhere down the road. And so uh, last week we talked about being broken together. You know, everybody comes into a relationship or marriage with some brokenness. We all do. It's there. And so sometimes we just want to kind of hide it and kind of put it under the rug or whatever. But God's saying, no, 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 you don't understand. I want you, I want you to show and reveal your brokenness. Kind of like if brokenness were like just pieces of glass, God says, I'm going to use that, and I want to make something beautiful out of that. That's what a stained glass window is. It's just broken glass. And let the light of Jesus, let the light of his son shine through that and make us even more beautiful. So in your relationships, in your marriage, be truthful to one another. The struggles, be honest with one another. And if you're, if you're struggling as a, as a couple, talk to somebody about that brokenness and allow God to make it beautiful. We've had stories even here within Lake Point Church of married couples who had brokenness, glass that probably could have filled up this whole room. But now it's, it's beautiful. And God is push, putting those pieces together. And just like, a, just like a stained glass window, they tell a story. God has a story for your marriage and for your life, even with those broken pieces. So bring them, and it's okay. Don't try to hide them. Don't try to make everything just perfect. Just like Adam and Eve, everything seemed to be perfect. But God said, I'm going to clothe you because you, even though you sinned, your shamefulness and your nakedness, I'm going to clothe you with my love. I'm going to clothe you like nobody else can. And that was a foreshadowing of what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross and to cover our sin and our shame. Well, this week, uh, as we have been talking about, our students participated in Freedom Weekend. And uh, as Jackson just uh, did a great job explaining, it was, a, it was a weekend about purity. And we can all use some purity within our lives. It doesn't matter if we're married or not. And so today, what I want to talk about is I want to talk about behaving together. Behaving together. As, as a married couple or as, um, as uh, a dating couple, or if you're a student and you haven't really started that, you're just maybe, you know, you're at the age, maybe later on in high school, you're thinking, well, I kind of like this person. You know, there are things here within God's word and things I'm going to share with you today that you're going to be able to use. You know, you and I have seen lots of marriages and relationships that just, to be quite honest, they just don't behave. They don't behave well. And it, God has established some guardrails in our relationships, displayed in God's word, for our relationships to use in our marriages and our relationships. And so I see, and you have probably seen this as well, marriages sort of bounce up and along the side of those guardrails. And one of these days, that guardrail, that guardrail is not going to hold. And so you and I have seen some of those couples. You, there might even be some couples here today. They're like, you know, Frank, 
we are rubbing up against that guardrail. We're rubbing up right against it. And there are some things that we're doing in our relationship, in our marriage relationship, that, that's just not behaving. We're not following God's word. There could be some, uh, some young adults here who are, who are dating someone. And you could be uh, maybe uh, doing some things that, that's misbehaving against God's word, against God's plan for your life. And you're almost to the edge of that guardrail. And so what we want to do is we want to see how do we behave together, behaving together. Now, to be quite honest, in, in, in my marriage I, I, with, with Suzanne, I, I love to misbehave with my wife. <laughs> now, she's always getting me to behave, you know, but, but and we can kind of laugh about that, but really the serious factor in our relationships is that we are all prone to go to the edge, to go towards the cliff, because we have a sinful nature in our life. And so whether you're bouncing off the guardrails or whatever, know that, that God, God wants to bring you back in to the middle and help you to behave. Now, before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about expectations. Expectations. You know, we, we come into relationships and in marriages with certain expectations, okay? Like, for instance, ladies, you have an expectation for your husband to raise the lid. Amen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And husbands, you may have this expectation that your wife needs to be able to cook lots of different things. Amen? Some guys, you may have this expectation, hey, I expect you to kind of keep yourself, you know, looking good, you know, you know, appealing, attractive. And ladies, you might be thinking, well, I have an expectation that you're not going to ignore me. I have an expectation that you're going to pay attention to me. I have an expectation that you're going to look me in the eyes when you want to have a conversation. I have an expectation that you're going to not respond to my text in one or two words, and I'm really guilty of that, and that's a bad amen. <laughs> but we have certain expectations in our relationships. And so one thing we've got to understand is we've got to talk about what those expectations are. Many of you, if you've been married for a long time, you pretty much have a pretty good idea of that. But especially young, uh, young marriages or people who are getting close to that, um, to that uh, marriage uh, season in their life, you need to talk about those expectations. In fact, when, uh, when I've been a part of uh, some pre-marriage counseling, that's one of the big things we've talked about. What are expectations that you have going into this marriage? You know, kind of talking about an expectation. Something happened um, a few weeks ago, actually over Christmas break, um, that kind of ties into this. Not really about marriage, but it was an expectation. What happened is it was over Christmas break, and, um, and our family decided we wanted to go see some Christmas lights. And so we wanted to drive down to Marietta uh, to go see uh, some awesome Christmas lights at a college down there. And so um, the boys and I were at the house, uh, with my truck, and uh, Suzanne and Madison and uh, Marion were at, um, at, a, at a ballet, 
uh, the Nutcracker, Nut, Nutcracker, the Nativity. And so they went to go see that production, and they were in downtown Cartersville. So they had another vehicle. And so uh, we decided, hey, let's go ahead and uh, go see those lights. So me and the boys piled in the truck, and we drove to uh, downtown Cartersville. And uh, we all hopped into, uh, into the other bigger vehicle. And we, as one vehicle, everybody together as a family, we drove down to Marietta. Had a great time looking at the lights. Had a, had a, a, a great meal down there and just had a great family night. And then uh, drove back home and, and everything was good. And so the next day, I had a, a friend of mine uh, from church here uh, said, hey, I need to borrow your truck. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can borrow my truck. And so we, we set that up. And I said, hey, you can come by and get my truck, um, and, uh, and I'll, ma- I, you know, I'll make sure that I take the other vehicle, so you can come by and, and get my, pick up my truck. And so I took uh, the, uh, the other vehicle and ran a few errands that morning, and, uh, and then I came back, and Suzanne and I ran some errands, and the kids stayed at home by themselves. Madison and Landon were sort of looking after the kids. And uh, so uh, we were running some errands, doing some last-minute Christmas shopping, and I get a phone call from the gentleman who was going to borrow my truck. And he, he called me. He says, hey, Frank, um, where's your truck? I was like, what do you mean, where's my truck? It's at my house. I mean, I saw it this morning when I pulled out. And he goes, your truck's not there. I was like, what? My truck's not there. Are you kidding me? And so I called, we called Madison. And we couldn't, we couldn't get a hold of Madison. No kids are answering the phones. So here we have this idea that someone has come to our house, stolen my truck, took our kids, and I don't know why they were taking them all, took, <laughs> took our kids and, and has left the country, you know? And so you know how you role play some of those things. And so we're freaking out. So we, we call some other friends, hey, go to the house and just make sure things are all right. So we're, we're, not, we're nowhere near the house, and so we're on our way, on our way home. And, and, and I called my friend again, are you sure you're at the right house? I said, yeah, I'm in your small group, dude. I know where you live. And I was like, you didn't see a silver truck. I'm telling you, I did not see a silver truck. I was like, I saw it this morning. I, so anyway, the other, the other uh, friend came to the house, and she called us, and she says, the kids are fine. They're a little bit freaked out because you're freaked out. And I said, okay, here's the question. Is my truck in the driveway? And they said, no, your truck is not in the driveway. And I said, like, somebody came and stole my truck in broad daylight? Are you kidding me? So Suzanne is talking, and then Suzanne just puts down her phone, and she looks at me, she goes, somebody stole your truck. <laughs> Only in Bartow County... Somebody stole your truck. And I was like, oh my gosh, so I had this sinking feeling that my truck is gone. Someone stole my truck. So what are we going to do? And then it hit us. <laughs> the truck never made it home from the night before. It's still in downtown Cartersville. And even though I told my friend, my truck is there, of course it's there. I saw it when I pulled out. There's such, it was such a huge expectation that I believed I saw my truck in the driveway. I expected my truck to be there and the expectation was so strong that I mentally Remember seeing my truck. And so Suzanne and I had a really 
big laugh about that, and then we cried because we realized we were getting really old fast. <laughs> but that's the power of expectation. That's the power of expectation. And that same sort of power and expectation can, you can have in your marriage and in your relationship. When you bring some of those expectations, it can almost seem like, hey, this is something that I expect. And when we, don't get, we, when we don't get that, we are shocked when we don't receive. Well, I expect this. I expect this. Honey, you're not, you're not raising the lid when you, know, you do your thing, you know? You, th- this is something we do. You know, I expect you to do this. And that's such a simple thing, but there are even more serious things. I expect us to be more intimate. We have those expectations. And so when, when they fall through, because they're so powerful, that's when things start going wrong. And that's when we start kind of misbehaving. When we don't receive those expectations, we start, we start misbehaving a little bit. We start thinking through, well, if I, can't, if I can't get what I'm expected out of this relationship, then, then thoughts start going and you start misbehaving. So I'm going to talk about just a couple of areas in our relationships that are, I believe these are two, and there are several areas, but these are some of the two biggest areas in our relationships where we misbehave. And the first one I'm going to talk about is communication. Communication. We oftentimes misbehave in our communication. You know, I've seen, you probably have seen, Couples have unhealthy conversations. Pretty unhealthy conversations, whether you know it's in public or you kind of you know walk in on a conversation. And some of those conversations that are unhealthy in front of others, you wonder what they do behind closed doors. And so whether whether we're talking negatively about the other person or bringing up some past issues or past person maybe compare them with somebody, we bring some of that stuff into our conversations, into our communication, and it's not healthy. And what the problem is, is we are misbehaving in our conversations. And so sometimes it causes outbursts of anger, resentment, and then you have signs of unforgiveness. I want to read in James chapter 4, If you have your copy of God's Word, we're just going to be in James. I've just got a few scriptures I want to share with you. The book of James, written by the brother of Jesus. This book, it's a great, great book. Short, you can read it in one or two sittings. But this is a book that teaches us how to behave. He lays it out there. He lays it out there. And so, it's a belief that behaves. The book of James. And so, in James chapter 4, and if you don't have your copy of God's Word... Uh, you, you will have it on the screen. Uh, actually, I'm going to James chapter, um, yeah, James chapter 4, verse 1. It says this, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? So what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from desires that battle within you? You may be sitting here thinking, yeah, they do. Those, that, those fights and those quarrels, they come from evil desires within us. 
Again, expectations. Unmet expectations lead to other things. And it leads to thoughts. And it leads to evil desires. And then that leads to some fighting, some, some arguing, some bickering, and behavior that is not godly. And a behavior in our communication that is not holy. I look in James chapter 1, verse 19 through 20. James chapter 1, 19 through 20. Another couple of set of verses about this. Um, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So we need to, we need to be quick to listen, and we need to be slow to speak and slow to become angry. That's hard to do sometimes, especially when you and I have unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. When, my, when I realized that my truck wasn't in my driveway, I started getting mad. I was like, who would do that? <laughs> but but there, was, uh, there was some emotions there because I had an expectation. My truck to be there. And so when you and I have expectations that are unmet, that can cause some communication issues. And, and let me take this a little bit deeper. Parents, and I'm going to need to tell you this, but this as a reminder, you have kids in your house who are learning how to communicate to people. You have kids in your house who are learning how to communicate to people. And they're learning from you. And so how you communicate to your spouse is huge in regard to the development of your children and how they would treat others. And you may think, well, we'll just, we'll just go in our bedroom and, and fight. Be careful. There are little ears listening all around. Amen. I don't care if those little ears are five years old. I don't care if those little ears are 25 years old. They're listening and they can hear. And so you are training up a child. But are you training up that child in the way they should go in regard to their communication? So people, when we communicate, we got to behave. we got to behave the way, in the way we talk. And, and, if you're, and if you're in a point where you're having arguing and fighting all the time, you need to go see a counselor. You need to go see a counselor about that. You need to talk about ways that you can communicate uh, better. Second area that I want to talk about today, besides communication, is temptations. Temptations. How do we behave within our temptations? Now, let me, let me explain something to you. We all have temptations. Can, it can I remind you something? Even the Son of God, Jesus, was tempted. So if Jesus was tempted, you better believe we're going we're to be tempted. But let me also share a truth. Just because you're tempted doesn't mean you're a bad person. Sometimes people relate 
I'm being tempted. It must mean somebody must have something against me or maybe God, you know, has something against me. Uh Uh-uh. Now, I can tell you right now, probably the same temptations, similar temptations that you have, I have even as a pastor. And so just because you have those temptations, that doesn't mean that you're a bad person. But what it does, it gives us an opportunity to behave. And it gives us an opportunity to behave together as a married couple and also individually. In James chapter 1, verse 14 through 15, it says this, But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So what's interesting about that, pa- uh, that passage is that um, everybody is prone to temptation. And so what that means is you and I are not invincible. We're not invincible by temptation. You can't look at a temptation and say, you know what? I got this. I got this. You need to resist the devil and he will flee from you. You need to resist that temptation. You need to walk the other way. And you don't even need to look at it or be around it. If you're around people who want to bring you into a conversation that is negative, well, you, you got to walk away from that conversation. Okay? Fake a trip to the bathroom. Do whatever you got to do. But you've got to get away from that conversation. And uh, there's all, all kinds of examples that I can share with you how temptation is, is crouching at your door. But each person is tempted when they are what? They're drawn away by their evil desires. They're drawn away by their evil desires. There are many people in this world who are at a place right now that they never thought that they would be. I never, I've I've talked to many people and they would look at me and say, Frank, I'm at a place right now that I never thought I would be. And that's because I've allowed temptation to hang around. I've allowed temptation to hang around. Because here's the deal. You might be thinking that you're behaving with your temptation if you just let it hang around and you don't really dive into it. Okay, if you're if you're just like looking at it and if you're around it, but never really diving into it, you might be thinking, well, man, I've got this. Can I tell you something? No, you don't. You're not behaving with the temptation that's in front of you. The way to behave with temptation is to walk away and move away and separate yourself from that. Because it will get the best of you. Some of you may think, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to get drunk. You know, or she's just a friend. She, she can hang around. It's okay if she, she rides in the car with me by myself. Or it's okay if she, if she uh, goes on this business trip. I mean, she's staying in a hotel room. I'm staying in another. We're part of the same, you know, team at work or whatever. Whatever your situation is. Can I tell you something? That's not a temptation 
that you want to keep around. Any of those. So the way to behave with your temptation is to move away from that and separate yourself from that. And the latter part of the, the verse, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. And so that evil desire is within us. That evil desire is within all of us because we have that sin nature. And so that gives birth to sin and sin to death. Before you know it, things in your life have died. Relationships in your life have died. That romantic fire in your life has died because of temptations and because of misbehaving during those temptations. So, you may be sitting here thinking, okay, so Frank, communication and temptations are areas that I need to behave in. So what, are, what is a practical way we can handle this? How, how do I set this up? How do I know when I'm not communicating right? How do I know when, when temptation is around me? What do I do? Well, let me give you one word. It's called notification. Notification. We have them on our phone, don't we? If you have a smartphone, we have notifications. You get a Facebook post. Somebody likes it. Hey, notification. Okay? Or somebody sends you an instant message. Or Instagram update. Okay? Hey, I got 70 likes on Instagram. Cool. You know? Notification. It causes your attention. You get an email. Notification. 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 It's all around us. And what's interesting about those notifications on your phone is that they distract you, don't they? It distracts me. I mean, I have to tell my kids, if there's something that's uh, distracting me on my phone, I, I'll sometimes give it to Madison or Lane. It's like, okay, this thing's driving me crazy. Could you get rid of that? And they're like, yeah, dad, moron, you know, they'll fix it. And so they don't call me moron. <laughs> so anyway, but they... They help me with that, with my notifications. So what that means is this. I can control my notifications. Wow. I can control my own notifications. Students, you know how to control your notifications on your phone? Absolutely. Parents, you should know how to control your notifications on your phone. <laughs> but just like the notifications on your phone... You can set up notifications in your life. You can set up notifications in your life. Like, for instance, if you're single, one notification is that you could be, uh, if you're dating someone, and you need to establish a notification in your mind, or uh, maybe through accountability partner or something, or maybe through the person you're dating, set up a notification that when when you and that other person that you're dating are together, alone, in a horizontal position. Notification. 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 Right? Or, let's say, husbands. If your wife is, has, has talked to you before about how you're not really communicating, you're not really paying attention to, you know, uh, to her, that sort of deal, maybe to fix that, you could set up a notification with your wife, that if you aren't looking at her, that she notifies you. She lets you know. She turns off the TV. She moves the chair in front of you. 
And some guys would call that nagging. You call that nagging sometimes. But what it is, is this. It's a notification that the most important person outside of Jesus is in your life right now. In your life for today. You have no guarantee tomorrow. And so that notification is is something that you can set up. And so we can establish some of those notifications in our life. So about these notifications, first of all, they've got to be turned on. If you don't have any notif- if you have your notifications turned off on your phone, you're not going to get any notifications. If you want notifications in your life because you're not behaving, then you need to turn them on. When you go on a business trip, you need to have an accountability partner. The notification is this. Hey, you have a friend, text them and say, I'm going on a business trip. I need you to call me at these times to make sure that A, I'm not watching anything I'm, uh, I'm not supposed to watch around people or at places I'm not supposed to be in. That's tough. Real men do that. We have men in our church that text one another and says, man, I'm about to dive off the edge of the world. I'm I'm ready to give it up. Pray for me right now. And they do. And so set up those notifications in your life. But you got to turn them on. you got to turn them on. You have to establish those notifications. Well, how do you know which ones are established? Well, you look at your life. What areas are you misbehaving? Especially when it comes to in your area of communication or temptations. So you've got to turn on those notifications. The second thing is those notifications have got to be a distraction. Just like on my phone, I'm easily distracted. I'm sitting there kind of preparing for a sermon and, you know, my phone dings. And I'm like, you know, and it dings like every... 10 seconds, and I, I get distracted. So I have to like turn it off or put it in the other room or something. It's a distraction. But can I tell you something? These notifications that I'm encouraging you to create and to establish in your life and in your marriage and relationships, those are the kind of notifications that you want to distract you. Those are the kind of notifications that they need to cause you to stop and think before you do something. So, when you're sitting there with your wife and, or your loved one, significant other, and she's asking, she's asking you to, to communicate with her, and it seems like it's at, you're out of words or whatever, and she's telling you, hey, just, just listen to me. Talk to me. Look me in the eyes. Don't consider that nagging. Consider that a notification. A notification. The other N-word. It's a better word than nagging. Um, There's all kinds of examples we could talk about. But the bottom line is this. We have to establish some notifications in our life. Because if we don't, we'll just keep on misbehaving. And we've got to behave together as a couple. We've got to behave. And God wants your marriage and your relationship to be something that brings Him glory. And the way to do that is to behave. 
Behave in the way you communicate to one another. Behave in your temptations. And some of you may be asking, well, Frank, when does that happen? Can I tell you something? It doesn't happen overnight. It, it, now, the act, if you fall in some sort of temptation, yeah, that can happen overnight, but I guarantee you, that temptation, you've been, you've been keeping it close by for a little while. So what it is, it's, it's happened slowly. It's happened slowly into your life. And before you know it, boom, it's there. It's there. And so if you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, Frank, I, uh, I've, got, I've got some behavior issues. I need some behavior modifications in my marriage. I need some behavior modifications in my dating relationship. Well, those modifications begin with notifi- notifications you've set up in your life, but also begins with you drawing near to God. The more you draw near to God, the more, the more He gives you that ability to overcome those.